Good morning. I'd like to say Happy Mother's Day too. It's it is not a Happy Mother's Day kind of sermon. I hate to tell you, but uh, it's happy for us sinners because all these things given to Christ should have been given to us if we got our just rights. And uh, but thankfully, um, Jesus took the beatings we deserved. It. Um, my title today, I, I struggled with it. I would have liked to have put a happy smile on it. But um, I decided it should be, it's going to get worse. And through this whole chapter 19, um, and we're just covering the first five verses, um, all of chapter 19 is a thing to hang your head about. And uh, as we think of the things that Christ goes through. So, I think we can't understand how cruel and how harsh these five verses are to Jesus until we understand who is this man, Jesus. I, um, I went to uh, Colossians 1, 15 to 17 first, and uh, this is kind of my uh, summary of it. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, meaning he is. God, um, firstborn of all creation, by him all things were made, invisible, visible, in heaven and on earth, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him, he is before all things, in him all things hold together. That last one really blows my mind that at any moment should Christ say, I'm going to let go of things, it all fall apart. But uh, he holds all things in his hand. He holds all things together. He's the fulfillment of Messianic Old Testament prophecy. We see that again and again in the uh, book of John as we've gone through it. Uh, John will mention that this is to fill to fulfill prophecy, and um, he is the one. Without him, those wouldn't have been fulfilled. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the true son of man and the son of God, the only perfect man. He gave sight to the blind. He healed the lepers. He made the deaf man hear. He restored the withered hand. He made the lame walk. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. Let me say that again. He raised the dead. Um, He never sinned. Never, ever, ever, ever sinned. Try going an hour thinking in your mind, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin. And by the time you're through it, you will have sinned. He never did, ever. He always did the right thing. I wish I could say that. I like to think I'm always going to do the right thing. Um, he was never too tired to help, never grumpy, never said a cuss word. And here he was a carpenter and never said a cuss word. I don't know if being... God, he never hit his thumb. I I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it's amazing. Never had a lustful thought. 
Loved and cared for his mom. There's your little nugget for Mother's Day. Even hanging on the cross, he was worried about his mom being taken care of. Um, Even Jesus knew that moms are precious. He always told the truth. He loved his neighbor as himself. He loved God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. He fed thousands upon thousands of people. We... The two we read about, know about, are the feeding of 4,000, feeding of the 5,000. It may have been happening all the time. We don't know. Um, We know he kept his uh, disciples fed. He was always seeking and finding the lost. In everything else he was doing, he was looking for the lost and uh, finding them. This is the man that the Jews and Romans were moving to crucify. Do you think Pilate and the Jewish leaders realized that someday, it tells us in Philippians 2, 10, and 11, at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the man that they want to crucify. They're moving to crucify uh, it just blows my mind that last verse of chapter 18 where it uh, tells us, as Randy mentioned, um, they chose Barabbas over, um, over Christ. The, the man that I just read about was uh, left behind to face the cross. But Barabbas, the guy who was a murderer, an insurrectionist, a robber, They chose him and set him free. I bet that was a mistake they came to to wish they hadn't made. So, you think that choosing Barabbas over Jesus was bad. Well, you're right. But wait till you hear what happens next. It's going to get worse. Well, I'm going to read here from uh, chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. Oh my goodness, he flogged him. Uh, Pilate had just told the Jews, just a few verses earlier, I find no no guilt in him. And yet, he flogs him. Flogging was a horrible torture, a uh, horrible uh, way of oftentimes killing people. Yet he now takes Jesus and flogged him. He used a whip that had several leather thongs on it, um, three or four leather thongs on it. Each thong had pieces of metal or bone attached to it. Usually they would be sharp, and uh, the whip would rip out chunks of flesh. Some men died from just the whipping. And it was horrible. I can't imagine seeing it, letting, let alone being uh, whipped with it. The, um, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four, Paul talks about uh, when he got 40 lashes less one. That was the number that could be given to the Jewish people according to the Jewish law. And... It was 39 because 40 
was the number God had told them, so they wanted to be right in how many they gave. So five times Paul had that kind of lashing put to him, and it was horrible, um, presumably, hopefully, given to people who, who deserved it. Of course, we know Paul didn't. Um, but then the Romans, they had no limit on the number of lashes they could give. They could give as many as they wanted, and they were soldiers. They wanted to give people lashes. I can't imagine what they inflicted on people when they did that. But they could not, they did have a limit if you were a Roman citizen. But guess what? Jesus was not a Roman citizen. They could hit him all they wanted. He would have been stripped, all his clothes taken off, because they, they didn't want to uh, uh, not hit directly on his skin. They wanted to really hurt him. So they stripped him. They bound him to a post, and then the torturers would take turns. They were allowed to do it until the soldier was worn out, and it was like a tag team. Tag team, your, your turn to whip him. And they could do that for hours. Uh, it's known to have happened. But um, here Jesus uh, strapped to a post, and they would tie his hands up high, so his arms wouldn't get in the way while they whipped him. And uh, I can't imagine what his back looked like. It had to be horrible. It was totally brutal. And yet, this was a man that Pilate said was not guilty. Happy Mother's Day. You like this? This is horrible. Um, it's dark. And uh, I, I, again, I feel bad doing this on Mother's Day. Um, but uh, this is what we have. Let me just say, it's going to get worse. Now the soldiers begin to mock him and hit him. Let me read verse 2. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and arrayed him in a purple robe. Well, I think we all know that was meant to, uh, to mock him as a king because he had already told Pilate he was a king and that was alleged against him that somehow his kingdom was going to bring down Rome. But Jesus had even told him, my kingdom is not of this world. But that's what they did. Um, Matthew 27, 27 to 31 of course, we have the four Gospels. Um, we get so involved with John, sometimes we forget the additional details we get out of the other Gospels. But Matthew 27, 27 to 31, tells us a cohort of soldiers, 600 men, were involved in mocking and beating him. They also gave him a reed for a scepter, which isn't mentioned in John. And when I, I think of Reed, I think of them giving him basically a cattail out of the creek, you know. Uh, our house had cattails. The kids would get them out and try to burn them like a torch or hit each other with them. Um, I'm sure it was meant to mock, you know, a wonderful or, or powerful ruler 
even in the Bible, talks about Jesus being a ruler who will have an iron scepter, and it's a sign of power. Well, they give him this little uh, um, reed and uh, to mock him. The crown of thorns, I, uh, I can't help but think of in Genesis 3.18, God curses the ground because of Adam and Eve eating from the tree. And one of those curses is thorns. Um, we have a couple trees um, at our place down in southern Indiana that are what we call thorn trees. I don't know if that's an official word for them. But they have the biggest, nastiest thorns on them. And in, in fact, I've stepped on one before with my tennis shoes on. And it went straight through my tennis shoe into my foot. And, of course, my first reaction was to try to take the shoe off. and I, You know, but then I think having these thorns thrust down on my head. Um, I, I was one of those kids that was always getting stitches. I always hit my head on stuff. And I can tell you, your, your skull, your bone is not very far underneath that skin. And um, these thorns were surely scraping the bones of the head, the uh, the skull, it uh, it's just kind of unthinkable to me that they would do that to him. Then um, the robe, not that it hurt, but it's just so mocking. Purple was the color of royalty and the rich. It was the most expensive dye to make. I heard they used uh, made it by uh, grinding up. Uh, certain kinds of seashells and so it took a lot of work and uh and of course anything that's expensive the rich and the rulers think they should have it so the rulers would wear purple it was the most expensive dye uh the crown and the robe were now placed on jesus to mock his kingship and his kingdom and i forgot to say the scepter put in his hand let's read uh, verse three um, it seemed easiest to divide this by the verses. We just have five verses. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. He was slapped in the face before the high priest to Annas. I'm going back here a little. He was spat on and beaten before high priest Caiaphas in the council. Uh... Then he was told to prophesy who was hitting him. They had him all around him, and they took turns hitting him and, and trying, having him try to guess who was hitting him. Um, but now with the soldiers, uh, they took turns hitting him. They'd go up, say, hail to the king, and then they would punch him or hit him in the head. It even says some of them took that little scepter and were banging him on the head. And I imagine if you got that thorn of crowns on, you don't want to move your head very much because each time it's moved, it's probably scratching and scraping. Well, Satan and the demons surely thought they were winning. I can't imagine the joy Satan probably felt when he saw that he was going to have Christ crucified. But they were not winning. 
The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the work of the devil. It tells us that in 1 John 3, 8. At this point, before I go further, I, I just had to think of the mind of Christ. What is going through his mind at this time? I, you know, if it were one of us and that power that he had, the power that created the world, the power that holds the world together, he could have just destroyed everybody. He could have just wiped them out, and yet he held back because he was trying to follow the Father's will. In Matthew, uh, in the mind of Christ, then, I, I'm thinking of Matthew twenty six thirty nine. They were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they were going to pray. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed. This is Jesus praying. My Father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This is something he knew. This is something I've come to learn as a Christian. I think probably all of us. Um, Ultimately, we want God's will. Um, Christ, being very honest, the suffering he he knew was coming, he did not want to go through that. Uh, would any of us sometimes I think it's good for us that we don't know what's coming other than we know that Christ someday is coming again but um, if we knew what was coming sometimes we'd be prone to give up but he wasn't he knew what was coming and he said nevertheless not as I will but as you will so he had thought of it ahead of time he would prayed ahead And he committed himself to God's will. I think it's a great lesson that you and I can learn in daily life. Things coming up. Maybe a big test um, at school. Uh, Those are the kind of things you've got to study as hard as you can. And then it'll be what God lets it be. Uh, But there's health issues. There's uh, issues with our family. Um... I'm sure not many issues in our families with all these wonderful moms in here. But uh, in my family, we had issues. And sometimes all we can do is pray, tell the Lord, God, what we think it would, we would like to happen, and then submit to his will. Because we know he's going to do what's right. Um, Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He, um, he did endure the cross. He endured all this clear up through the cross. And I think, uh, again, this is something that you and I can look at too. He saw the joy before him. And one of his... Uh, the joyful things I think he saw was all of us that would come uh, to trust in him for salvation, that we would realize we were sinners, that we would realize when he died, he died for us. When he was beaten, he was beaten because of our sins, and that through him we can have salvation. That was his joyful thought. Um, I think each of us, I hope you do, 
when you get down about the world, when you get down about things, uh, your health, that you say, well, someday either I'm going to the Lord or he's coming to me. And uh, if you can't find joy out of that, I don't think you're really a Christian. Um, that's a kind of joy you should have. Um, women, from the beginning of time, I'm sure, have looked forward to the day that baby will come out of their body. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a joyful day. But the months leading up to it may not be so joyful. And, uh, but they're looking for that joy to come. Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Two times in this little verse, he, it says he opened not his mouth. Uh, Christ was very quiet. Um, he could have argued uh, he could have pled his rights. He could have uh, argued with them. But Christ chose not to do that. And I think that also is a good, um, good lesson for us uh, as we uh, deal with situations we have. Um, let's talk to the Lord about it, but let's not be a complainer about it. And he had everything in the world he could have complained about. Here is um, 1 Peter 2, 8, uh, 19 through 23. This is one that I have not read much in the new ESV that we use. Um, and there's some neat, neat words in it. Just It's the same thing, but it, it's a little uh, worded a little differently. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. I love that. This is a gracious thing. That's a, uh, a thing that you don't find in the King James or you don't find in the, even the NIV that we used to use. Um, this idea of a gracious thing. Uh, some of the words used in other uh, translations are credit, or reward, or blessing, or favor of God. So this gracious thing, um, God is pleased by you uh, putting up and enduring sorrows, or while you're suffering unjustly, uh, you endure through it. He likes that. He calls that a gracious thing. I would... Uh, I would hope that we can endure through things and maybe one of those things that will help you endure is to know that God sees it as a gracious thing. Uh, later on in that section of verses, verse 22, no, 20, 22 and 23, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. So he wasn't telling lies to try to get out of being crucified. All he told was the truth. When he was reviled, and he was reviled again and again, he did not revile and return. I'm sure Christ, we know him, 
when those uh, soldiers were hitting him and saying, uh, who hit you? He could have said their whole name, couldn't he? Um, but he was quiet. He allowed that to happen. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He could have said, you hit me one more time and buddy, you're straight in hell. Um, I, I, you know, that's why, that's why we don't have the powers God has because we wouldn't use them rightly, would we? Um, but that's the kind of God Jesus is and was. Um, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He knew that ultimately God the Father was the judge. No matter what the uh, treatment was here on earth, he knew he could trust the Father. We need to trust in God who judges justly. I know there's all kinds of injustice uh, in the world, in the United States, in Indiana, but we know no matter how the world treats us, um, someday God will give us justice. And he'll also give justice to those who mistreated us. And we can uh, know that it'll be right. He, uh, one more here on the mind of Christ, Isaiah 42, verse 2. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. He, um, what he said, he just said to Pilate. He, he wasn't screaming it so that the uh, people outside the praetorium could hear him. He just said it. And... Um, I think that's something we learned as parents. A lot, of, a lot of people say to do that, but in the heat of the moment, it's hard to remember. But sometimes when the arguing starts going, if you turn down the level and you say, Son, let's talk about how God would deal with this. Uh, suddenly they can hear you, even though you didn't seem to be getting anywhere with them when you were yelling um my uh i I just got to tell this because she is just so cute our little amelia uh gregory and shelby's uh daughter um we heard the other day that uh when sophie goes to bed uh she goes to bed before amelia and once she's back in the bedroom And, of course, Amelia loves to talk. And then if she has mom and dad all to herself, she talks a lot, excitedly and loud. And they tell her to use her ninja voice. Use your ninja voice. So, um, and she likes that, I think. Doesn't she? I I think she does. Um, It's just so cute that she calls that her ninja voice. Or mom and dad told her that, I think. But... um, it's amazing um, how turning down the volume sometimes um, increases the uh, how people hear you. And, of course, Jesus being God, he knew exactly what to do. All right, going back to all the fun beatings and all. The... Um, Let's uh, read um, 
19 verse 4. 19 verse 4. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Here he is again um, coming out to them. We had noticed that in last week's sermon, I think, and maybe the one before. They think, uh, they being the Jewish uh, priests and high priest and Sanhedrin, they think if they go inside a Gentile area, they will, um, they will be unclean, defiled. And so they don't want to go in there because there's still more uh, celebrations going on and food and stuff in the Passover celebrations. And so they don't want to miss that. They don't want to miss the food. So uh, they won't go in to the Roman uh, governor's mansion. And he has to come out to them. Well, here the governor is interviewing Christ inside there without the others even hearing it. How can there be justice? Um, Just because they're worried they're going to miss a meal. Uh, It just says a lot about the hypocrisy of the, uh, the Jewish religious leaders. But Pilate here again announces that he finds no fault in Jesus. So then you got to wonder, well, why did he flog him? Why did he mock him? Uh, He had this twisted idea that somehow if he made Jesus uh, look pathetic enough that they would allow him to release him. Um, That's his idea of treating uh, an innocent man. Uh, that he would beat him so severely. Uh, He was also, he was willing to do anything to please the crowd. Pilate was afraid of the Jews. He had gotten in trouble before when the Jews had complained to Caesar, and uh, he was afraid he might lose his job. He knew the right thing to do, but was afraid of men. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I hope it hasn't. But uh, the fear of man lays a snare, it tells us in uh, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. We need to trust if we do the right thing, if we say what is right, and we don't make excuses and we don't pussyfoot around, that uh, God is going to respect that, even if the men don't. It's never right to do the wrong thing. And he had done the wrong thing. We're getting down there. We're getting down near the end. Um, Let's read verse 5. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Uh, Pilate said to them, Behold the man. man. Behold the man. Um, I just can't imagine... The appearance. Isaiah 52.14 mentions uh, his appearance was so marred beyond, beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of children of mankind. They couldn't even hardly recognize him as a man. He'd, he'd been beaten so badly. 
and uh, he didn't even look like a person. Jesus came out before the crowd wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. I'm sure the soldiers were snickering. But his head was likely dripping blood. His face dirty, bruised, swollen. His robe and clothes dirty, tattered. I imagine the blood on his back was soaking through the robe on his back now. He's mocked, injured, humiliated. Likely he was barely able to walk or stand after all he'd been through at this point. And Pilate says, behold the man like it's a new model year on a new car. Um, the um, Pilate and really the whole crowd, if all you see when you look at Jesus is a man, You've not really seen him. He is the Son of Man. Daniel seven, thirteen and 14 tells us that. But that uh, designation as Son of Man, one of the favorite ones that Christ liked to use, uh, was a um, prophecy indicator that um, he would be the Messiah. And uh, as I said, that was the favorite designation that Christ used of himself. But they're missing that he's also the Son of God in John one forty nine. He's the Christ, the Messiah, John eleven twenty seven. He's the Savior of the world, John four forty two. He um he came to save the world. I, I love that section in uh, John 4 where we have Jesus goes to the woman at the well, talks to her a few minutes, and reveals the truth about her life to her. And she acts on it. She says, this man knows stuff nobody else knows. How does he know that? And after Jesus talks to him, she is convinced that he is the Messiah. She runs to the rest of her village, the rest of her town, and tells them that um, Jesus knew everything about her and that he is the Christ. The people of the village hear her testimony. They hear Jesus teaching, and all of a sudden, the whole town is saying he is the Savior of the world. Um, Boy, wouldn't we like to see that kind of uh, revival around here where people uh, would hear the truth and react to it. And uh, they do. But um, none of this is seen by the Christian or the Jewish leaders. None of it's seen by Pilate and his soldiers. At least not yet. Uh, verse uh, Acts 4.12, For there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Well, what is that name? The name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, our Lord, our Savior. As I look to next week's sermon, there's one thing I want you to know. It's going to get worse. We... Um, we have um, two more sermons, I believe, in the uh, chapter 19. 
And by the time we get to the end of chapter 19, Jesus will be crucified and buried. It is worse, but then it gets better, doesn't it? We're looking forward to that time when it gets better. It has gotten better for us if we've trusted in Christ. He died for us. Um, and because of his death, we can be saved. And we never want to forget that. We want to share that with our neighbors. We want to be this Samaritan woman who even uh, uh, lowers her pride to admit who she was. And sometimes that's the kind of testimony we need to tell people, hey, I was a sinner too. I was just like you. And let me show you who saved me. I'd like the praise team to come up as uh, I get ready to pray here. And after we pray, we'll go to the communion service. But um, just a reminder, before the communion service, if you didn't pick up your little cup in the fellowship hall there, or the um, lobby, I mean, you need to go out and get one. Heavenly Father, I thank you that this dark and uh, cruel verses are recorded for us. God, I pray that uh, as we read it, we don't just think, oh, poor Jesus, but we think, oh, Jesus, that's because of me, isn't it? That's because I'm a sinner and I can't stop sinning. I needed a Savior like Jesus that would suffer for me. Jesus, you lived a perfect life and you died uh, a death that I deserved. And through you, I can find salvation, forgiveness of my sins, and everlasting life with you. God, we just thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name, our Savior. Amen.